I'm not excited for this episode. <laughs> you can leave that in. It's been a long week, and I feel as though we are working towards a thing at the end of said week that will not bring me joy. But... Yeah. Welcome to Just in the Nick of Time, people. <laughs> episode week four, but really week three. Three to the rest of the college football world who wasn't cool <laughs> enough to get a game in yeah. week zero. I mean... Uh, it's not even really week zero, because week zero sounds... It's like week point five. Because, like, college football starts. There were some interesting games. There yeah. weren't, like, good teams playing good teams. But, like... See, I will do anything to get out of talking about this Oklahoma game. <laughs> but, like, level... I think zero makes more sense than point five. Levels, yeah. Yeah, because, like, no, Level Zero and Kung Fu Panda. The, I think the correct... Wait, Level Zero and Kung Fu Panda? Yeah, because when Poe's doing his training, he's like, all this stuff looks too advanced. Start me off at Level Zero. And then Master Shifu's like, there is no Level Zero until he fails at the practice panda. And uh, then he's like, yeah, there's now a Level Zero. So I figured that, you know, because of the laws of Kung Fu Panda... Uh, you can start at okay. zero and be just fine. Okay, I see your <laughs> bullshit cultural reference, and I raise you week .75, platform nine and three quarters from Harry Potter. It's not really a liminal space, week zero. Yes. The first almost unofficial week of college football. It's like It exists in the in-between space of season and off-season, which is where platform nine, nine and three quarters is. It's, like, not really on the, like, physical plane. But I think three-quarters makes sense if it starts on, like, a Thursday. But, no, this is a Saturday. I would say that, like, it is three-quarters of a good football week. It's, like, most of the games you want to see, but you don't get to watch Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, Florida State. Uh, the crown jewel of week zero this year was Nebraska, Illinois. I know. <laughs> there are none of the games you want to see on that week. I just... Who the hell thought even a few years ago that will be a good game to start a season on they were it, planning on shipping that to ireland exporting that as a value of if, american culture if you watched that first college football game of the year between us and illinois and you then decided as a college football fan you were not going to watch any more college football until fall of 2022 I mean, I get it. Like, I, re I do understand. Uh, and, and I was closer to making that choice <laughs> than I'd like to admit now. But um, here we are, week four. We're two and one. We have a winning record, baby. Yeah, first time with back-to-back -back wins since 2019. Really? What were our last two back-to-back -back wins? I want That's to say, so sad. I want to say, like, Northern Illinois and Illinois. <laughs> Because, like, we used to be... God, and we couldn't even beat Illinois this year. We nope. used to be the kind of team where it was, like, in the middle of the season, we'd crank three, four out in a row if we had some, some easy scheduled games back to back, yeah. which you would think these three would have been. I mean, that was the core of, like, Polini getting to nine and three, is that there were always a few games where you were just like, well, obviously. Yeah. Of course. But here we are, and that's no longer the case. And do we what what needs to be said about that Buffalo game? Well, 
That I was got weird. It was weird, and I gotta say, if you told us at the start of oh, last we week taken it. that we would win by twenty-five, we would have absolutely taken it. Like I think this team has absolutely improved yeah. since week zero against Illinois. I think you know that's undoubtedly true, even though it came against lighter competition, obviously. And I'm not so sure how well that improvement's going to translate in the conference slate just yet. But it is encouraging to know that the worst case scenario we feared is not true. We, yeah. We're not bad enough to lose to Buffalo. I, and we're good enough to win by 25 against a team that we probably should have done that against. And, and I Give think, or take a few touchdowns that, you know, the refs may or may not have correctly taken back. I mean... If you, yeah, I mean, the refing was strange. The, mm-hmm. the, the work by the officials was odd. I don't know enough, so I'm not going to pretend like I do. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that I think. And I also have a terrible vantage point in East Stadium, so definitely pay less attention to me <laughs> when it's a home game. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, it was a team that went out and did what they needed to do against... The talent gap showed a lot yeah. in the last two weeks, which makes me feel better about the spot we're at in recruiting because I didn't see the talent gap against Illinois. And it turns out that a coaching deficit can erase a talent gap really, really quickly. Listen, I think this is always Kool-Aid part two when we win the easy dubs that we're supposed to and people start dreaming of things. I I know, because it's kind of shocked me, even though I don't think it should, just how good people have been feeling about this team after the back-to-back wins against Fordham and Buffalo. Like, I I know it's not everybody, but the Kool-Aid drinkers have sort of came back out of the bushes and are like, I'm here for round two. This team looks good. They don't... I mean, they look fine. Yeah. I think... There's only so much you can mathematically do within a football game, and I think that that Fordham win was probably one or two touchdowns short of that, right? But I don't care. I understand that sometimes, even against a bad team, it's going to take a little while to get the offense going, especially for this team. Mm -hmm. The Buffalo game, you get a couple touchdowns called back. But all in all, it never really looked like they controlled the game well, and that's Mm -hmm. what I wanted to see, and that's what we saw. Yeah, but after Nebraska first took the lead, it never relinquished it or let it get tied again, which is something that we couldn't even do against Fordham. And and never really looked like they would. No. Um, Buffalo's offense was just trapped in concrete shoes all game long. Part of it was Buffalo's offensive line, not impressive. And there was an astonishing amount of pressure from a pretty mediocre pass rush on Nebraska's side. One that they weren't even committing that hard to. It was just kind of a, a half-ass, like, we'll put some pressure on, and it happened to work because I think of the size and the talent gap at the end of the day. Uh, and so what, where I'm at, though, is, like, where do you extrapolate this going forward? What Like, with the data that we have, these three games... We know we can lose games that we're really supposed to win, and we also know that we can control them. There's never been a thing that said to me, there are games that you can win that you did not think you could win. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
if we were 3-0 and after three convincing wins and the offense looked like a well-oiled machine and we put up these Fordham-Buffalo numbers against Illinois, I'd feel really, really differently. Or even just pulled out a squeaker against Illinois. Just Yeah. Because it was week zero. Like, I'd be willing to look past the first, you know, pre-week jitters if right. those jitters did not involve spotting Illinois the win. Right. And we'd be halfway to bowl eligibility. Yes, because, yeah, we still have four to go. And I just... And, you know... The math of those four gets harder and harder every day that ticks by for me. Yeah, because... I feel better about, uh, after the previous week, I feel better about Northwestern because yep. they won 24-6 to against Indiana State, an FCS team. Probably should have done more, th- more than that. Uh, Minnesota does not look as good as they did in week one, thanks to Muhammad Ibrahim being out for the season. I don't, I still don't think. I just think that's one of those games where Purdue is Purdue. the field. And yeah, Purdue is Purdue. I mean, and then, but then that other one is has to come from Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa, or Ohio State, and I just cannot make that jump because all of those teams look good. I mean, yeah. I think it's a case where we didn't improve as much as we wanted to. We dropped a really important game right off the bat, and the rest of the conference looks good, barring Indiana, who we don't play this year. Yep. Um, Northwestern, Northwestern, and Purdue, and that's not enough wins to make up for a loss to Illinois. Yeah, no. I mean, I think if we had picked up Illinois, then we'd be talking about a shot at seven or eight wins in the mm-hmm. last few games. But I also just don't. <sighs> and this week is hard, because I think that for the fans. I mean, let's just lay it out there for yeah. the fans, for the players, for the coaching staff. It's going to be a little bit demoralizing. And it's going to be demoralizing because to lose to... I'm, I mean, we can talk about how we could possibly win in a minute. We can yes. talk about what it would mean if we won in a minute. I want to get to that. Yeah. Because it's a football game. There's... 11 guys on either side of the field, and it always starts at 0-0, and it could happen. I'm not saying it won't. Mm-hmm. But realistically, you look at this Oklahoma team that doesn't look as good as they looked a couple weeks ago, but no. still look better than us. Yes. And you say to yourself, well, we're going to probably lose. It's probably not going to be pretty. And it's on the f- not on the day of... But it's to celebrate the 50th anniversary of... Game of the century. Probably the greatest game our program's ever played. Yes. One that we won. Mm-hmm. Against Oklahoma. Exactly. Back, like, and the game, not only just the most important one in the program's history at the time, or even still to this day, but the start of what would turn into a decades-long rivalry between the giants of the sport who were Nebraska and Oklahoma at the time. Right. And so for for years, this was the game that was circled on the schedule between these two teams until, you know, Texas came and ruined everything for the first time. But uh, it was... It's going to be really interesting, though, to see how it feels to play them again. Because in... Because when we revitalized the rivalry against Colorado... Like, it sucked to lose to Colorado, especially the way we did, especially to lose twice. But, like, 
I really don't have much memory of losing to Colorado, like, as a child, back when we played them regularly. Yeah, we always beat them. We always beat them. So, like, that's sort of the part that sucked. But, again, it's it's not like Oklahoma, where there are, where every game, you know, even though you, were, you weren't there for the prime of the rivalry, there are still some, you know, intense showdowns between Nebraska and Oklahoma. And the one time I remember Nebraska winning, like, that felt great because... You know, it's Oklahoma. Like, you didn't really yeah. see them too often because they were on the other side of the conference. Yep. When you did, it was either the Big 12 championship game or the most anticipated game of the year. So when we won the finale regular season game against them, you know, that was a high point of the season at, at the time, which, of course, then at the end of it, in our penultimate game in the Big 12, uh, blew a 17 nothing halftime lead to Oklahoma in the championship game. And have sort of waited until now to face them again. So it's going to be interesting to see if that sense of importance is still there because no matter the circumstances, it always sort of felt there at Oklahoma. But did, did I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you happen to – there was a presser today, right? Yes. Did you happen to go to it? No. Okay. I was – and this is where I will just thank the – Lincoln Sports Media, because sometimes I just have to blatantly steal thoughts and things from them. But I was listening to Mitch Sherman talk to one of the hosts on um, 93.7 The Ticket, um, because sometimes I listen to that when I drive places, and you should too. They're a good station. But I was listening to The Ticket, and Mitch Sherman said one of the coaches today, I was too late getting in the car to know which one, uh, said effectively, um, we have nothing to lose with this game. Mm -hmm. And I think that is true. I think that is something that is just objectively true. We expect to lose. And most of, most of the fan base expects to lose big and is hoping to at least keep it within 20 would be a, massive moral victory for most of the doomers about the program. It would be cool if I have to watch the third quarter, <laughs> right? I understand that just by caliber, I probably won't have to watch the fourth. But I, and, and I, I just, I want to, like, my girlfriend will be in town this weekend and we have a party we have to go to and we're going to decide whether or not we're going to show up fashionably late based on the game. I at least want to show up 10 minutes late. That's all I have to say is like, <laughs> I am going to be really disappointed to be on time, but I mean, it's also, it's such a stark comparison between the two programs. When you look at Lincoln, when you look at Norman, when you look at the legacy, as much as we would say that it is different and distinct, really when you boil it down, a lot of it's pretty identical. Mm -hmm. In the terms of Big 12, Big 8 yes. powerhouses, Big 8 powerhouses that become Big 12 powerhouses that are great both through the 90s. Yes. Both falter a little in the early 2000s, if I recall. I want to say Oklahoma was sort of not all that in the 90s and then sort of got its resurgence in the early 2000s okay. where we were sort of the shit in the 90s and then... Started the nosedive in the early 2000s. But both dip. Yes. Both have a resurgence at about the same time. Mm -hmm. in the, by, by the time you get to 2010, by the time you With get to... With Bob the and Bo, yep. 
you know, Bob and Bo. <laughs> and then we move conferences. Yeah. I'll leave that comment there. Uh, and they kind of like follow through on the shot. And we don't. We let Bo go. For again, we've relitigated this a million times. Yes. So I don't want to do it again. But we let Bo go. Our next hire doesn't work out. And here we are in the second hire after that. Still. Three years in, still looking for answers at the very And they've been to a college football playoff. Four times. Have yet to have a win there, but they've been there four times. They've had uh, two Heisman winning quarterbacks and one Heisman runner up quarterback. They've won six straight Big 12 championships. We haven't even been to the conference championship game since 2012. And uh, have a have a quarterback who's still in the NFL playing good football and being kind of a rising star. Yes, they have uh, yeah, three starting NFL quarterbacks. Peter Baker. Baker, Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is still in the league? Yeah, he was uh, on the Eagles team that beat the Falcons 32-6 to oh, at the that, game of his life. <laughs> at the risk of making a pun. That hurts, bud. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. It's tough to look at these two programs and be able to hold your head up high about the football program in Lincoln because it has just been comparatively so catastrophic. Yes, like especially with, you know, all the history of the rivalry being... You know, these teams hate each other, but at the end of the day, they respect each other. Right. Because, you know, they're on the same level. They know what it takes to be a top program. And then to see after the breakup, one <laughs> clearly living their best life while well, Nebraska's, you know, dumpster diving is, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> kind of heartbreaking for when we show up at the 10-year class reunion and uh, <laughs> after trying to get out of it, mind you. <laughs> Yeah, that's the other that's the other component here is where are we at with that? How much evidence is there that we did try to duck them? Pretty good ones. Like Brett McMurphy's reported on it. I want to say the Athletic had something on it as okay. well. Then, like Scott Frost definitely brought up the idea of not playing Oklahoma this year. Here's a if Bill Moose was still in his role, would we be playing this game on Saturday? Oh yes, like. Yeah. I think as soon as the people knew about it, that this game was still going to go on. Like, it's, and I even think if we announced that we were canceling the game, the game would still play because people would just be that mad about it. Like, <laughs> it's such an admission of failure. Yeah. And sure, maybe it's just a delayed admission of failure that happens on the field now. But <sighs> thank God. Thank God. <laughs> God, this game isn't in Lincoln. Why do you say that? That's interesting. I say that because all of us hunkering down to watch 30 minutes of play clock and then calling it an afternoon and going to watch a different game or going to a social event, that is a lot less painful than I buy this ticket, which is ridiculously overpriced for this game because theoretically it's two blue bloods. Mm -hmm. And... From there, you sit in that stadium, you watch the tunnel walk, and the whole time you're like, oh man, I want to get excited, but I know that I shouldn't. And maybe you do, and maybe you don't, but either way, by the end of the first or second quarter probably, you know you should go downtown. You know you should leave. 
And so then the nation watches Oklahoma trying to cover what I assume will be a ridiculous spread. I want to say it's at like 25 right now. Yeah. Yeah. Four touchdowns. Or no. Three touchdowns and a... More than three touchdowns and a field goal. Yeah. Let's, let's take, a, take a look at the, most, at the latest one. It's... Oh, it's at 22 now. That's a three touchdowns oh. with at least one having a two-point conversion. <laughs> I mean, well, they're never going to convert just to cover the spread. Um... That just looks too sketchy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 22 is just there because they're expecting a 24-point victory, but don't right. want to say it. Right. And and I think that's reasonable. Three touchdowns and a field goal? Yeah. That's what I... If... I, I could certainly see it being much worse than that. So if 24 yeah, is as I mean... bad as it gets, then, like, I'm not going to say I'll take it because, you know... I want to hold out hope for better, but like, well, like what that is the, what would is be the, the worst thing in the world. We've certainly got beat worse than that by teams of that caliber before. It's really hard to even think about this or have this conversation with a team that you love. But like, what is the number I'm okay losing by? Ooh, this is a fun question. Uh, I think if we, I think depending on how it looks, I could feel not terrible about a 17 point loss. I, but I think 14 or less has me feeling better about the program than I did going into the game. 14 or less has me feeling better. 17 to 21 has me feeling neutral. Over 21 is like, oh, man, we just can't. And this has been, I think, one of the problems in Husker football for a long time. We don't play up to big games. If anything, we play down to them. Mm-hmm. Um. That's been a problem since Bo. I've heard arguments, and I'm sympathetic to arguments, that that's the next tier of recruiting. That's part of the X factor and the intangible that people talk about that we don't get. I'm more inclined to believe the intangible is, can you read a playbook? Can you run the routes like you're supposed to? Can you, as a quarterback, make good decisions on an option play and good decisions on protecting the football, right? But maybe this is a part of it. I think ultimately it's a culture problem. And I think that's exemplified with coaches going to the media and saying that they told their players, we don't have much to lose. We don't have anything to lose. It's just a rough looking Lincoln, guys. But then you have some players like Samori Toure, who said on Monday that, you know, of course we believe we can win this game. Who would we be if we didn't believe? So... Well, I mean, I'm glad Samori's watching Friday Night Lights. I just finished the series. It's fantastic, and I recommend it to everyone. But I, I think that that's concerning coming from a coach mm-hmm. on some level. And I guess I'm also conflicted about it because I can't be mad at a guy for looking press in the eyes and telling them the truth. But, just, but it's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, though... I knew you were going to come here. <laughs> Oklahoma... God damn it. Last season, <laughs> lost to Kansas State and Iowa State. They were... Oh, oh, hold on. Hold on. Iowa State just got their butts whooped by yeah. Iowa. Mm-hmm. I expect that we will lose by more. <laughs> I expect that if you put us on a field with Kansas State right now... Mm-hmm. It would be close-ish. 
I just, I want to see us beat a Power 5 team. Oklahoma in week one, only won by five over Tulane. Yep. I would like to think if us and Tulane played, we could beat them by more than five. I would like to mention that this was a very emotional game for Tulane, and it's a good Tulane team, and I'm not convinced we could beat them by more than five. (laughs) And all those games had one thing in common. Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma's quarterback, did not have a good game and turned the ball over frequently while the opponents did not make the same mistakes. Hold on, are you telling me we can even capitalize on those turnovers? I'm just saying that (laughs) if Rattler decides to gift us the game, it's certainly there for the taking if we want it. I don't believe, because look at week one for us. We spent the whole time with Illinois going, you take it. No, 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 you have it. No, seriously, please. I insist. You win the game, Illinois. I mean, I... I... I'm not saying it's likely. No, no. I'm just saying if it happens, that's how it happens. And Oklahoma has certainly played down to their competition in the past. So it's... So I, I feel more confident about beating Oklahoma than I do about beating Ohio State. And, uh... I don't feel rather confident about either of those two, but I'm just saying that, like, I can see a path to Oklahoma where they play down to our level so much that there are opportunities that we maybe take. I don't see it happening, especially on offense, because uh, we are missing... We are at, at Buffalo, we were missing both Omar Manning and Oliver Martin. I haven't heard anything that expects them to be back for Oklahoma. Austin Allen and Xavier Betts both got hurt during the Buffalo game, so that seriously depletes the weapons that the offense will have at its disposal. So even though Oklahoma's defense is not the strength of that team, you would obviously want your best unit out there against that defense. So that's not exactly a vote of confidence that Nebraska is going to be able to move the ball or score points if they don't have the full arsenal of weapons out there. So... That's a huge red flag. I I think this defense is capable of forcing turnovers, but we've also seen interception machine Art Sitkowski turn in a very, very efficient game against this unit. So I just, so it, it really all depends on just how low Oklahoma can play down to us and how well we can potentially meet up to that for any chance of an upset which I think there was a small, I'm going to, I'll give us a 5% chance. Um, if, if there was a hypothetical vacuum in which this game is played 100 times, we get like one to four of those. <laughs> uh, well, I can give you that hypothetical vacuum now. The Sooners win probability, according to ESPN's SPI index, is 91.6, meaning yeah. we get between 8 and 9 of 100 wins, mm-hmm. or just less than 1 out of 10. That hurts. It does. But here's the other thing. And here, I think, is where the nothing to lose part comes in. The article I just read says it's more likely than not that Oklahoma wins every single one of their games runs the table and goes to the playoff. Now, I think they lose immediately, 
And I think that then we all talk about what an indictment this is against the Big 12. And, of course, the SEC won Oklahoma. And sure, they'll take Texas, too. Texas. Yeah, I mean... God. Just because we suck doesn't mean I'm not going to laugh at you, Texas. But talk about parallel paths as programs. Yeah. We look a lot like Texas. Without the academics and with, like, more volleyball. Less baseball. But and at least when we get blown out by a longtime rival on the road this weekend, that team will be ranked. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. Do you think we could beat Texas right now? Could, yes. I think it'd be close. I, 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 I would not be confident in it. I think Texas has more natural talent than we do, and that'll probably win out in the end. But, yeah, but we're supposedly recruiting well. Like, I, I, parallel paths with Texas. We're supposedly recruiting well. We supposedly have good coaches. We're supposedly a desirable job for coaches. Mm-hmm. Is that just because we throw a lot of money at it? Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, you're just going to say for sure it's the dough. Well, this is how I think of Nebraska's desirable job. I mean, it's going to be true anywhere, but like, if you win here, especially win big here, there is nothing we won't pay you to keep you around. No. Like, we will love you here more than almost any other place in the country. If we'll you sell the us. capital. Yeah. <laughs> you can literally have a seat in Congress just by winning football games. How insane is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this state can be yours if you succeed. So I think that, you know... Just that whole ceiling being higher than most programs would be. Like, the fact that you could get your name potentially mentioned with Tom Osborne and Bob Devaney is, like, you know, (laughs) enough of an allure to keep Nebraska at a high-profile job. Even if, you know, (laughs) bad location, hasn't done shit in forever. But still, it's like... And if you don't, I mean, if you don't, you're still going to make off like a madman. Yeah. And what, where the hell is Mike Riley now? Ooh. Did he retire? He was in the Alliance of American Football. <laughs> yeah. No, XFL 2.0, 1.0, the <laughs> AAF, that disbanded after a year. And since then, he has not made any impact on my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, when I see that, that's just fine. He was most recently, oh, an XFL offensive coordinator. <laughs> mm. That is rough. Um, I think, I mean, okay, let's examine. We've kind of talked about what needs to happen to win, and that's yes. catastrophic failure on Oklahoma's part. Mm-hmm. And just a good clean game on Nebraska's part. With, with I think you need some fireworks. I think oh, you absolutely need Adrian to have a great game. Which I think he's capable of. Like when that. was the last time we saw it? A great game. Not like you went out and did your job, but like that Adrian did something. He was by far and away the best player on the field against Buffalo. I don't doubt that he was the best player on the field. Yeah. But it wasn't a good field. Like that I, 75-yard run, like 
that's something that not a lot of quarterbacks like can do is have the pocket just absolutely collapse on you yeah. and make something and then make something even more out of that <sighs> something. I think it's a 10-yard scramble versus Oklahoma though. You know. Yeah. So it's it's again, the talent gap is closed. In fact, we are probably shorter. I mean, we've got to be at least similar if not shorter on the talent gap against Oklahoma. It's, it's just tough because you need things to go. I think if this football team plays the game they're coached the most perfect way, yes, we lose by a touchdown. Like, yeah, like I think a good example of what could happen on the best day possible is like the 2018 game against Ohio State where we lost by, I want to say, seven. And Nebraska made a couple big mistakes that game. Right. Right, so, so if you don't make, the, I mean, if you play a perfect football game and, yeah. and Oklahoma doesn't. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the sport. That's the 10% that they're accounting for here. Which, to be fair, higher than most of the Big 12 are our chances. <laughs> don't know if I agree with that. Um, I don't know. if If I was betting this game... I would bet the over, and I would bet Oklahoma to cover the spread. As would I. I. I don't see them having much in terms of mercy after we tried to back out. No, that's the other thing is like, yeah, like, I mean. Like, we'll we, have a chip on our shoulder, but they'll have a mighty big one, too. All right, do we have a chip on our shoulder? Just in the sense of, you know, we have nothing to lose. You know, might as well go out and play like our hair is on fire. And see if we can catch them napping. I also think that, like, in modern college football, does this matter to players? This is, it's interesting, yeah, because they were interviewing some players at Monday's presser, and Luke Reimer, you know, the Nebraska wonder kid himself, said he really doesn't have much strong feelings about the Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry, so. (laughs) Right, and that's the guy you'd expect to be fired up about it. Yeah. I don't think. Because he was, like, eight. When they last played. Right, so were we. I mean, yeah. I don't have that. I think I have strong feelings because I've gone back and I've looked at those things and I've learned about our championships and I've read a whole book on the game of the century when I was in the sixth grade. We care because we're Husker football nerds. But I think the vast majority of people don't give a shit. And I think the vast majority of folks our age would like much rather watch us beat Wisconsin or Ohio State. Yeah. Ooh, here's here's an interesting hypothetical. What would mean more for the fans of this program? Ohio State. No. A win over Oklahoma or the home win over Iowa? Oh. Especially if it's an undefeated Iowa or like Oh, an undefeated Iowa. Like a like a if we get the chance to spoil Iowa's season yeah. and level their playing field or against... be Oklahoma on the road in the game of the century 50th anniversary. What would mean more to the fans? Oh, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's do both. Um, <laughs> this is really tricky. I think the spoiler aspect mm-hmm. puts it... But, I mean, this is college football. There are not a lot of weeks to run with here. Does Oklahoma make the playoff with a loss to, you know, 6-6 six and six Nebraska? Uh, well, they wouldn't be the first team to make the playoffs no. while losing to a subpar Nebraska team. 
Thank you, 2015 Michigan State, for giving the Mike Riley upset special of the year. Yeah, that was fun. Wasn't yeah. that game like 7-3? to three? No, that was uh, Frost's first year where we beat Michigan State 9-6. Right. to six. Yeah, the, the Mike Riley upset of Michigan State was, you know, like 28-24. We only won because the refs missed an obvious, <laughs> obvious out-of-bounds call. Oh, my God, that was so bad. Uh, but... Oh, what? I don't want to, like, ask what you think and then parrot you. Yeah. But I'm going to say Iowa because of the spoiler aspect. And I think because, like, if you were... I get why the Iowa... I can't speak to The Iowa rivalry Iowa rivalry. No, it's not a tongue twister. It's uh, just for me today because it's been a long week and I'm tired. <laughs> um, if you were drawing a map and you didn't know any of the Power 5 conferences... I think it would be very reasonable to look at Iowa and Nebraska and say these schools will hate each other. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you look on paper at what they are, which yes. is Nebraska's a state school. It's very Nebraskan in essence. Uh, I think that the air around here is a little bit more nose to the grindstone, a little bit more... I, the difference between Nebraska and Iowa's places is fascinating, but I think it's encapsulated by the fact that we're known for a business college and an engineering college that can get you places and are pretty cheap, and Iowa's known for a creative writing workshop that, like, three great authors ever have come from. If that doesn't exemplify why I think these schools would make good rivals, boy, oh boy, I don't know what does. <laughs> yeah, like... That's something that I was sort of, you know, struggling to do for a while, was a see sort of Iowa as, you know, the replacement for what people once thought Oklahoma, Nebraska was, or like Nebraska, Colorado was. But recently, after losing to them six times, in a heartbreaking fashion, the most recent four, I hate Iowa yep. so much. Oh, I hate them so much. I hate them so much that like... And like... When was the last time we didn't almost have them? That's what's really frustrating. I know. It's literally the last uh, game of the Mike Riley era was the last time Iowa blew us out. Frost, Frost first year, almost had them. Sophomore year, almost, almost had, had them. them. Last year, almost, almost had them. Oh, <laughs> uh, that first one, I think, is the one that sticks with me the hardest. Uh, yeah, that... that because I, they're fans in this... Or which was the was that at Kinnick and then the next year was it at Memorial? Yes, the first one was at Kinnick. Yeah, Nebraska okay, gets a two point conversion field. to tie. Then Iowa goes down, gets the field goal for the win. Uh, the following year was a, gr- a tie tied for most of the second half, and then we played some good anti football in the fourth quarter, yeah. where they just punt back and forth. The time management is nowhere to be found. Iowa gets a miracle deep completion and kicks the field goal for the win. Yeah, I remember this now. And I, that game at Memorial was when I started hating Iowa fans. I think I'm just programmed to hate black and gold when it's a Memorial Stadium, right? <laughs> There's a little bit of that, like, residual Colorado hate. And Missouri hate. And Missouri hate. I've never had a problem with Mizzou. I almost went to Mizzou. I really thought about it. Um, ultimately, zoo. I came to the College of Journalism because they allow you to do from day one the 
University of Nebraska's College of Journalism and Mass Communications. We're not sponsored. We just use their mics. Results may vary. <laughs> not licensed in all 50 states. Ask your doctor before participating. Um, that's terrible. Results may vary. <laughs> we were doing a medicine commercial. <laughs> sure. I thought that was the bit. We are in no way affiliated with the College of Journalism. So. Stamp that legal boilerplate on I would this just episode. like to say we are in no way affiliated with anything or anyone as far as this podcast goes. We don't, we're speaking for ourselves and Justin's speaking for himself. Um. That was a, that was a joke, anyone who was listening. I was making fun of medicine commercials. God. All right. If, by God, if we win on Saturday, what does that mean for the program? I think, you know, we're doing something right. And uh, I think it gives Frost infinitely more goodwill than he had going into it. Like, he would have to somehow still finish four and eight after being good enough to beat an Oklahoma team to not not have great job security. Here's a real question. We don't get to six and six. We have three more wins this year. Oklahoma. Iowa and Ohio State. Wisconsin. Okay. And Iowa. Oh, that keeps him. Really? Oh, absolutely. But we're still short. And we lose some. We lose to Purdue. Yeah, we've lost to Purdue two out of his three years. What makes yeah, this one any different? Because it's the third. Because this is what the year we were supposed to at least get to six and six. I, I also don't I don't think Frost ducks the Oklahoma game unless he has a firm six and six mandate. And I yeah. would not be surprised if that comes not from athletic administration, but administration. Get to six and six, or we have to look somewhere else, Scott. I mean, it yeah. Would... But I, I think when considering that hypothetical, they wouldn't even even think of the crazy hypothetical where we get Oklahoma, Iowa, Wisconsin, especially this Iowa team. You know, like yeah, the, the, I guess that's the other thing. And that so, would be the last game of the season too. So what if we get this and one of? Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin. And because of that, if particularly for Ohio State, particularly for Iowa, I think you need injuries. I think you need mistakes. I think you need bad plays called. You just need some things to level that playing field. Weather, because both of those are November games. Yeah, snow games. Yeah. Nasty, nasty cold rain games. Yeah. Do we get Iowa here? We have both of them here. Once it starts to look more level, that starts to help. Especially yeah. if you can get the fan base to get and get. Oh my God! Here's the alternate scenario: between now and the Ohio State game, the only game we win is Purdue. <laughs> it is November. Oof. What's the day we play Ohio State? Fifth November. Remember, remember the fifth of November. It is. I think that's nasty, right. Nasty sleet, slushy, snowy crap. Falling from the sky 
It's like exactly 32 degrees. Oh, it's the 6th. Okay. Well, regardless, if the weather is bad that day, and you can stay home or you can go to the bar or you can go to the stadium, I can promise you I won't be there for more than a quarter. Yeah, that that's not going to be fun. No. It's going to be the worst. You know what is fun, though? Ohio State losing to Oregon. That feels good. Yeah. So that's the other thing is, like, you've got a one-loss Ohio State team and an Iowa team that really looks like they can run the table. Yeah. Iowa goes into... Because they won't meet in the regular season, right? Nope. So... Iowa would go into that game with their destiny in their hands, mm-hmm. right? Win, playoff, even as a one-loss team. Yes. You've got to think that's how it works out. Unless Alabama and Georgia just decide to shake on it. And even then, <laughs> even then that still leaves two open spots because SEC's not getting three teams, and I saw what A&M looked like on Saturday. You Woof. can't put Iowa in without putting Oregon in. Oh, absolutely. If Oregon runs the table and Iowa runs the table, they both got to be in. They absolutely go in over... Here's what I think you misunderstand. Over over the loser of Alabama-Georgia? Well, I think those four would be in because... Well, no, because Oklahoma might run the table. So now you've got a situation where (laughs) Oklahoma, Oregon, and Iowa all have pretty much identical resumes. Well, if they're if they're all undefeated, then the loser of Alabama and Georgia is out. I don't see... Oh, you, you think that undefeated teams go in over absolutely, one-loss teams regardless? Absolutely. <sighs> the committee has not snubbed an undefeated Power Five. This Georgia team, for whatever reason, suddenly is, like, emotional for me. Like, that Clemson game was just, like... I don't know why I just hopped on Georgia's side and was like, I think I want you to win not just this game, not just the SEC. I want you to win the damn thing this yeah, year. Yeah, because they've been so close so many years before. Yeah, and, and they'd be a new face at the top. Yeah. Oh, I would love If that. I have to watch another Alabama-Clemson or Alabama-Ohio State game, I'm going to fucking yark. Yeah. You can keep that in, friend, because... <laughs> I, I will probably not watch... If it's if it gets that bad again, like the playoff chase is one of my favorite things in sports with college football, but the actual playoff itself oh, it's has has not been fun. In like it's, it's way the majority of years, it's it's been played. It's way more fun to watch the other two New Year's Six bowls, oh. or no, I guess other four. Yeah, um, the Peach Bowl's normally a blast because that's when you get your group of five team and have them take the shot at the big boy. The Rose Bowl is, you know, the... The Rose Bowl's our biggest thing. Yeah, the biggest thing Big Ten teams not named Ohio State have the play for. What do we need to do to make the Rose Bowl? Wait, how? <laughs> That's it? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, because Ohio State... Well, no, 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 no. Ohio State's got one loss. Yeah, but that's a, that's they, a non-conference loss, too. If they lose... to. Uh, no, because then they would have already won their side of the conference. Yeah. Which is a stronger resume than coming second to Iowa. Yep. <sighs> yeah. I want to go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I do too. Um, maybe we should super senior. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That sounds miserable. <laughs> um, 
watch year one of a new coach. <laughs> I think, like, maybe what's great is Husker football might be good by the time that I have expendable money to come back and watch, like, a couple games a year here. You know? Or, like, my hope is that Nebraska will be able to make it to a Big Ten championship by the time I can afford Big Ten championship. To, not good ones, just to be yes. in the stadium. You know, that would be that would mean a lot to me. Or honestly, just to like get back to Lincoln if I've moved away and hang out here while it happens. Like yeah. that would be really, really fun. Oh my gosh, because uh, the loudest I have ever heard Memorial Stadium, and I've you know been going to at least one game a year for my entire life was when the team first ran out of the tunnel against Akron in the game that wasn't. Just the sheer hope in that stadium of the fact that we might be good again one day. There was, I've yet to experience anything like that exact feeling. Imagine that feeling when it actually is paid off and the team is actually good again. Of course I'm coming back to Lincoln. What year was that, 2018? Yeah, if that ever happens. I'm going to give the Akron rant again. It's been a long time since we revisited this. We have a little extra time. Husker schedule. So, for those unfamiliar, this is a case study. This is a case study in momentum. The first game of the year is used to get jitters out. It's used to fix the little problems. It's why you schedule a team like Akron. <laughs> or Illinois. Or, <laughs> shut up. Uh... In that first game, we were supposed to play Akron. It gets lightning out, right? Yeah. This is a story about how problems cascade. You don't get the chance to iron out the kinks and not make the mistakes. You then, that first year in Kinnick, we make a couple big mistakes in the fourth quarter, like you said earlier. Yeah. And we lose by five points. Now, imagine a world in which we take the easy dub against Akron and we pick up a win against Colorado. Our rival that we haven't played in years. Because yep. this was the first game against Colorado in a long time. Yep, first game against an ex-Big 12 team since they're divorced from the conference. Right. And then you've got Troy. Yes. Another should-be pickup dub, but you're sitting with a bunch of demoralization. Is Adrian still hurt in this scenario? Because he, he got hurt fourth quarter, Colorado. No, that's the other key part of this. Yes. Adrian doesn't get hurt because he's more warmed up. And he's playing against a team that has, like, equal preparation, mm-hmm. which I think is what, part of the reason. And doesn't resort to twisting his ankle on the bottom of the pile? Yes. <laughs> I mean, well, theoretically, if yes. you're playing looser, you're not getting hurt as much. Mm-hmm. Right? Either, uh, I think that you make a very valid point that Adrian yeah. was hurt for a lot of this. Either way, there's more momentum across the board going into the next game, which we only lose by a score. We then go play Michigan. I can hear an argument that a 3-0 team gives a number 14 Michigan team under Harbaugh, who hasn't worked out there very much, who hasn't been very good there, I can see an argument we make the run. So now we've got at least three or four wins. Then we get blown out by a Purdue team. Right? Yeah. That doesn't happen with momentum. That doesn't happen with a team that believes in themselves. We keep it close. We take them to the fourth quarter. And honestly, we probably pick it up. Now we're at four or five wins in five games. Then you go play Wisconsin, and you probably lose. Then Northwestern. 
again, a more prepared, more confident team, a more prepared, more confident coaching staff doesn't drop a one-point loss. Now you've got six wins and bowl eligibility. Now, Minnesota, you've already beat them that year. Yes. Badly. Seven wins. Yeah. Bethune-Cookman, eight doesn't, wins. That doesn't happen because that was the makeup oh, game yeah. for Akron. Fair enough. So that doesn't happen. So yeah. we're still at seven wins. So that's the Ohio week. State you drop. Uh, you know, that, they were uh, a number three team. I see. Oh, it was freaking close. Yeah, that's the game I was talking about. The one where we almost won. And we're an undefeated team. Yeah. And Ohio State nearly lost to Maryland that year. And I want to say they got blown out by Iowa. That was Ohio State's worst team okay. in years. Nine wins. Then you beat Illinois like you did. You beat Michigan State like you did. You come into the game for bowl eligibility on November 23rd against Iowa. And you beat them and you set a precedent. Nebraska could have gone undefeated if we just played Akron. We could have won a goddamn national championship, people. I'm kidding. I'm being facetious. We would have probably won the conference and then lost in whatever bowl game we went to. But, God, Nebraska would have gone insane, man. People would have lost their ever-loving minds. Scott Frost would have immediately been crowned king of the state. And I, it just it all comes back to the Akron game. And my shoes were really wet. How about that? And then they said, oh, well, we'll play you on Sunday. What a kickoff to a year to play a Sunday morning makeup game against Akron. Oh, yeah. They, they claimed it was going to be at like 1030. They said it's going to be 1030 a.m. tomorrow to not conflict. Yeah. Because it was week one. Yes. And there this was some. the week before the NFL starts. Yeah. And it couldn't. It couldn't conflict with like the U.S. Open or something. Yeah. The, the tennis tournament. Okay, yeah, that's normally around that time. And so we we couldn't play it that afternoon. Yeah. But, like, there's apparently some issue with Akron in their hotel, and they're just like, nah, we'll just leave. No. Yeah, oh. the issue with the hotel was um, really weird, too. And then we offered them dorm rooms that we weren't using. Yeah, that's right. And they were like, no, we're just bailing. Which doesn't make sense to me. Because then you've got to... I think they still got their check, too. That's the really frustrating part, is we still gave them their check. Yeah. <laughs> Our biggest rival should be Akron. <laughs> no, I'm just... Because, like, we still paid them. Yeah. The hotel issue doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't know how the hell... Oh, they took buses. Yes. They drove here. So maybe the argument is we want to get our guys back to class on Monday. Yeah. Which I can see happening more at a, you know, non-Power 5 school than at a Power 5 school that it runs its football team like a corporation. I assume people at Akron still at least pretend to care about academics for athletes. Academics. God, I hate you. <laughs> um, this is the last episode of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. No, I mean... So, what am I saying with this? One win or one loss or one game not played can make all the difference. And I think if we do win against Oklahoma... That could be the positive feedback loop the Akron game could have hypothetically been. Not, like, to the same level. 
But I think that almost inevitably becomes a positive feedback loop yeah. to six and six. But if we're good enough to beat Oklahoma, we're good enough to beat Michigan and Michigan State this year. Whether or not that's true in a football sense, don't you think the players believe it? Don't you think the coaches believe it? Yeah. Don't you think the fans believe it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, if we somehow pull this off. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> the great part about this is if we lose this weekend, we'll never talk about this conversation again. Yeah. But if we win this weekend, I look like a genius. <laughs> but I'm going to be the Liverpool Football Club. Here we go. Had terrible, terrible woes for 30 years under many, many, many different coaches. Okay, closer to 15. Managers, as they're called. I'm trying to translate here. (laughs) And I'm translating back. It's frustrating. (laughs) Against, uh, under many, many managers, against many, many iterations of the other big clubs in England. Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea. Yeah. Others. Not really. (laughs) Not Tottenham. Um, Spurs. You mean the basketball team down with San Antonio? <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do my boom hire there. Dad gum. Uh, but um, ultimately, we got a coach from Dortmund. And he's this jolly German fellow who comes in, and when they ask him, in, like, the first press conference. They're, like, really deep in the middle of a conversation about strategy, right? Like, 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 and he's, he's answering, like, well, here are the formations we're going to play. And they said, what kind of, like, field can we expect from this, like, tactic? Uh, which is the Gagan Press, which is now pretty famous in football. And Jurgen Klopp says, I'm here to change Liverpool fans from doubters to believers. Now, some people have hypothesized that he really only meant that as doubters to believers in the Gagan press, because there were a lot of people who were doubting it. But, realistically, the way that the club turned around that phrase of like, doubters to believers, doubters to believers, this is our guy. This is our guy. And the players are our guys right now. And they're going to go out and they're just going to play better and better and better soccer every week. I think a win against Oklahoma turns Nebraska fans from doubters to believers. Oh, yeah. In a heartbeat. Oh, yes, because we, we already want to believe after Buffalo. I'm and, seeing it. And I'm so seeing it. I don't think that you should contrive belief. I am struggling with the, the Huskers and the Red Sox and um, Liverpool right now. And I try and be honest about that fact. I don't see how any of these teams reached the heights that it seemed like they could even a few weeks ago in a couple of those cases, right? Uh, I'm a little more bullish on Liverpool than the other two, but I don't think we'll win the league. Um, But my God, it's just... I want to believe so badly. And I think you've got a staff of coaches that desperately need to believe now. And a, a bunch of players that desperately need to believe now. And if they're going to do anything worthwhile in their college careers. And I think this could be the game to flip it. This would be. If, if, if there was ever a moment 
where Frost proves himself to be the prodigal son we all hoped he would be, beating the team's longtime rival on the 50th anniversary of the most important game in program history. The argument for Scott Frost coming in was how he turned around that UCF team. Yes, which a couple weeks ago we delved into maybe not have all been his doing. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) But if he can do that, yeah. This is his last chance. Not just not this game, but this season. This season, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say. I mean, he can't probably lose like seventy to ten. No, you can't get blown out tomorrow and expect to have a season. Yeah, can't. Or, I mean, on Saturday, you can't lose by more than like forty. This is so weird. I'm used to doing this on Fridays, man. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. You can't lose by 40. And, um... No. It's... That's a long and short of it. I don't have much else to say. Yeah. I, I, I was trying to think of some plans for a potential third block, and I'm like, oh, maybe there's some fun facts about Oklahoma that could make a good segment. I look it up. The first result I see, the parking meter was invented in Oklahoma, and I just oh. close the tab. I'm like, no. Who cares? (laughs) That's enough learning about Oklahoma for today. This is just a solemn (laughs) feel to the game, too. You know, it's like we're either going to do something incredible or we're going to get absolutely just murderized. The shopping cart was also invented in Oklahoma. Don't get Justin, stop the recording now. Don't put him through this. My God, (laughs) enjoy your weekends if you can, Husker fans, but you probably can't. Oklahoma. That's my message. Where the wind goes sweeping down the plane. It's okay. God, dude, just cut the last 20 minutes. <laughs> I give up. Oh, my 